The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, Harvest! All right, are you excited to be in church today? I think I say this every week, but you picked a great day to come to church. Do I say that every week? Do I? Because it's true. It's true. Sunday is just my favorite day. Hey, help me out real quick. And I just want to welcome anyone that might be here for the very first time and those who are watching online. Will you help me by uh, giving a big old round of applause and welcome them? During meet and greet, I met a family. Today's their first day here. And as I met them, they said, we've been watching you online. And I said, well, I'm glad you're here because it's a lot better in person. I, I said, do you think? Do you think it's better? He goes, we're about to find out. All right. So no pressure, but we're, we're, we, I think it is better in person. So um, I'm so glad that you are here. If you are here for the first time, uh, we love when guests come. We have a little gift for you. Uh, when service ends, right out the middle doors there, we have a team that's there ready to greet you. We have a gift we'd love to give you. There's no strings attached whatsoever. And so if you're here for the first time, I, uh, I would love for you to stop by. We'd love to get to know you just a little bit better. Uh, there's a lot going on. I have a few announcements that I want to uh, tell you about. The first one is for all of our youth. They probably already know about it, but Squad is kicking off in youth. I guess... Last week was pre-squad or squad prep or something. Tonight, squad actually starts. And they're moving into our newly renovated youth room. So excited. Most of them haven't seen it yet, or not at least not completely. And so they're going to be in there, and it's just going to be awesome. And listen, parents of teenagers, tonight is the night for you to start a new habit for your teenager, which is to get them to church. And let me just tell you, parents, that you are still in charge, okay? You can literally bring your kid to youth and just make them go, okay? You don't even have to ask them if they want to go. Just bring them. Pastor Madison and Angie will take care of them. We're going to have a great time. I, I, this, is, this is the best time all year for a teenager to start going to youth. It's a ton of fun. And so I hope that you will, uh, I hope you'll make your kid go, all right? It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let me tell you also, yesterday, uh, let me see uh, just a, a wave of hands. How many of you were uh, part of the ho- our homeless outreach? It happens monthly. That happened yesterday. Just wave at me. You got a few right here and up there. Uh, I heard amazing reports. Uh, in fact, um, uh, all of the resources that we had uh, were given away yesterday. And so there's a little bit of a push now. We got some pictures. This is from yesterday. Uh, so many people that were ministered to, loved on, prayed with. And so on your way out, there is a supply list that uh, Anthony and Kim have made. They lead this ministry. It's out at the uh, table out front. If the Lord puts it on your heart and you'd like to take this and, and on your sh- next shopping stri- uh, trip, you can add a few extra things and bring it. Uh, this team goes out once a month on the streets and they just do an incredible job. And so we want to help them and support them. Uh, also, parents uh, of our, for kids, uh, for kids, uh, elementary and down, there's a parent meeting immediately after service today with Pastor Madison in the kids auditorium. And so uh, I think you already have information on that, but I'm just here to remind you. And then ladies, Encounter is coming up. Don't miss Encounter. And today's the last day for the early bird pricing, uh, uh, the uh, the last day to register. Um, And so so 
take advantage of that. I say this every time. Don't let uh, cost uh, be the reason you don't go to this. If you need help, uh, let us know. We'd be glad to help you with a scholarship to get you there because it's just that important. And then I'm really excited. This is my favorite announcement because we've scheduled our next water baptism. It's coming up on Sunday, September 27th. So we're about a month away. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, one of the, the commands in the scripture is to be baptized in water. It's an outward confession of your faith. It's just one of my favorite things to do. And so someone came to us this week. They said, Pastor, I'm ready to get baptized. So we scheduled a baptism. And then what we do is we schedule it and then we start announcing it and more people sign up. And so you're going to want to be a part of this. If you've made that decision, you can sign up on the Church Center app. You can find that on our website. And then um, two more announcements. There's a lot going on, y'all. Um, yeah, this week, is uh, we're, we're helping with our local uh, school with their open house. We're going to be serving burgers and pizza and running their bounce houses uh, for them. All the information's on the Church Center app. A bunch of you have already signed up. If you're looking for a way, it's this Tuesday night. If you're looking for a way to come and serve alongside of some of your Harvest family and just be a part of what's happening in the community, this is a great way to do that. So sign up for that. And then I got to brag on you because last week we announced uh, our, our Run for the Light event. I didn't tell you the date of it. I got so excited that I didn't even tell you the date. It's coming up on September the 9th. But despite my mistakes, several of you have already signed up to run. And y'all, listen to this. In the first week alone, we've raised just short of $7,000 in one week. How cool is that, right? And so uh, this is a missions uh, project for us. We have a goal uh, to raise, actually the goal is to raise 125000 because we have two matching partners that if we can raise that, they're going to match that, which will make that 250000 And so we, week one, we're well on our way. I'd love for you to sign up, come and walk or run or crawl or roll or uh, uh, skip or bounce or whatever you want to do, or just, just give, help us out. Come serve the day of the event. Uh, this is a big event for us, and uh, I'm excited because in week one, we've already got some great momentum. So thank you for everyone who's already jumped on board with that. Um, Pastor Jace mentioned this earlier. When we talk about generosity at Harvest, we use this phrase, we live with open hands. And every single week, we take two or three minutes to just remind you of this value that we have of living with generosity. And I just want to tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to introduce our guest speaker. We have a guest speaker today that you are going to love. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Yesterday, I was on a, a little one-day trip with Pastor Jace and my friend Nick Martinez. And, and uh, we ended up, we were driving home pretty late last night. We, we, we were you know, rushing to get home so we could be here with you today. And we're on the way. And uh, we were in two vehicles. Nick and I were in one. Jace was following us in the second one. And we were approaching the town of Santa Rosa. How many of you have been to Santa Rosa? All right. I'm going to teach you a trick if you don't know this. So we're approaching Santa Rosa and I called Pastor Jace. I said, Pastor Jace, we're going to stop here in Santa Rosa. And he, he, he was like, well, I don't need gas or, I mean, I, I mean, we're good if you want to just, just keep going. I said, no, you don't understand. Nick and I have a high priority stop that needs to be made in Santa Rosa. And I think at that point, Jace was kind of on to me because of the high priority, because we're in Santa Rosa, right? And, uh, and I, I continued to tell him that at the pilot gas station in Santa Rosa is a Cinnabon, um, a Cinnabon in the, in the, does anyone like Cinnabon? Anyone? Okay. 
there's a Cinnabon. And that, for me, at that time of the night, after the day we had, it was high priority, all right? And so Jace agreed. So we stopped. We all got Cinnabons. I brought Cinnabons home for my girls to warm up for breakfast this morning. And I was just thinking about, it's kind of a silly, fun story, but I was thinking about priority. You know, the scripture teaches in Matthew, it says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you as well. And it's really this idea, it's about what are you seeking first or what is priority? And I thought about, as silly as it is, this little detour that we made to go get Cinnabon because, you know, it cost us a little bit. It cost us a little bit of time. We had to detour, right? We had to, we had to get out of our cars. We had to walk in. We had to get the Cinnabons. We had to put them in the microwave. We had to find a fork. That was kind of an adventure, finding a fork uh, in a pilot gas station. You know, we had, to do, we had to pay money for it. We had to do all of these things. But I didn't mind because for me, that was a high priority. And I just got to thinking as we were leaving the gas station, eating our cinnamon rolls, I was thinking about being with you today and thinking about what do we put first and how do we know who's in first? Well, it's really easy. You can look at really the two main metrics is your time and your resources. And so this is, comes back to this idea that we live with open hands. And I know many of you have already made this decision that this is how you're going to live, that you're going to put Jesus first. But I want to remind you of this promise that when we seek him first and his righteousness, that he does take care of you. Would that be anyone's testimony here today that God's taking care of you? Isn't that awesome? And I'm just telling you, it's the best way to live, living with open hands. So I'd love to pray over you this morning. There's a lot of ways that you can uh, contribute financially. There's a screen behind me. You can, there's all, you can figure it out. You're really smart people. I just want to pray over you and your family as you make this decision to live with generosity. Can I pray for you? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing here at Harvest, what you're doing through all of our families. Which are, it's, you're, you've been so good to us. And there's a bunch of us that have taken this promise to heart to seek first the kingdom and your righteousness. And, and our testimony today is that you have been so good to us. You've been so faithful to us. You have taken care of us in so many ways. And we're just thankful today. And so we just pause. We reflect on your goodness. We recommit to just go all in in every part of our lives. And my prayer for my friends today is that every blessing, every promise in your word would come true in their lives as we put you first, as we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, you are in for a treat today. Uh, I have a friend here today by the name of Ron McManus. Uh, Ron is a leader that for many, many years I knew from a distance. Uh, I, I, I would hear things about him. I would see things that he was doing. Uh, Ron has a long uh, resume of pastoral experience and leadership experience. And, and, and I just, I watched him from afar. And last year uh, he was here in New Mexico. Uh, for an event, and it was my first time to kind of get closer and, and hear him, you know, at a different level. And, and I don't know if this will make sense to you or not, but how many of you, 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 you saw someone from a distance, but when you got closer to them, they, they, they really didn't look better. They, they, they kind of got worse as you got closer. Have you ever had that experience? Um, I'm not talking about like ex-girlfriends or anything like that. I'm talking, you know, like, like when you got to know them, you're like, you're not quite 
the, the person that I expected you to be. And Ron was one of those guys that as I got closer, I just, I liked him more. And I thought, you know, everything I've heard, I mean, I, I, it's, it's true. And, and so, uh, so my dad called me a couple of weeks ago. He said, hey, Ron is going to be in town uh, this, this, this weekend. He has a Sunday available. Would you want for him to be at Harvest? And I'm like, yes, I would love for Ron to be with us at Harvest. And so today is that day. Uh, by the way, we kick off our new series next week, Out of the Cave, Now What? I'm super excited. Don't miss that uh, either. But I want to introduce you today to my friend, Pastor Ron McManus. Will you help me welcome him as he comes today to share the word? Thank you so much, Pastor Jason. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here today uh, in Albuquerque. It's good to be anywhere today. But I'm especially delighted to be here with you today and heard so much about uh, the ministry here and, and Pastor Jason and the leadership uh, here at Harvest. And so it's an honor for me to be here with you, uh, to share for a few minutes with you today. And, uh, and I'm excited uh, about the word I want to share with you this morning. No church has a future unless its dreams are bigger than its memories. Now, I've been in churches a lot, and uh, I'll stop somebody out in the lobby and say, you know, uh, I'm a guest today. Tell me about your church. And they'll say things like, well, we got a good church here, and God's been good to us. But, boy, I remember the days when we used to have revival that went on for weeks, and they take me down memory lane. <clears throat> what they're saying to me is our memories are bigger than our dreams. That church doesn't have a future. But if I come to Harvest and ask people, we start talking about here's what we're doing and here's where we're going and, and here's uh, the plans for the future. And so I'm grateful today that you're part of a church that has dreams that are bigger than its memories. The mic must not be on. There are enough museums in Albuquerque called churches. Aren't you glad to be a part of one that's alive? that the best days of harvest are ahead of us, not behind us. And so I'm excited to be here and share the word with you this morning. I want to talk to you about a whole nation of people. The Bible says the story about the children of Israel was given to us so we could learn from it. And there are a lot of lessons to be learned from it. And a whole nation of people really missed their tomorrows and what, it was a tragic kind of scenario because God loved them, he provided for them, he walked with them, and yet they still missed what God had for them. Did you know you can be saved today, filled with the Spirit, and still miss what God has for you? A whole nation did that. But a new generation rises up now in Joshua chapter 3 uh, to possess that tomorrow that their parents never possessed. Joshua chapter 3, I'll read just a few verses with you this morning, beginning with verse 12. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand in a heap. So it was when the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the waters for the Jordan overflows all of its banks during the whole time of harvest. 
that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arab of the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. For their mamas and daddies, it was an 11-day trip from the Red Sea to the River Jordan, and they wandered for 40 years and never got there. Now, the Bible talks to us about, about why they missed their tomorrows, and I want to briefly talk about that for a second so we, before we talk about how we're going to possess our tomorrows. Here's what the Scripture says about those people. It says they murmured and complained. You know, murmur is not even a creative word. It's the same word twice, murmur. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to be a complainer. You know, uh, there were 12 spies that went out and spied that land of promise, and uh, 12 that came back, 10 said, we can't do this, the giants are too big. But two guys said, God's with us, we can do this. What's the names of those two guys? Anybody know? Huh? Joshua and Caleb. You know, when, when my youngest son, uh, Kevin, uh, had their had their son, they named him Caleb. And I thought, you know, nobody's ever named one of their children after the other 10 spies. Do you, anybody know the names of any of the other 10 spies? So here's my conclusion. If you want to be forgotten, be negative. A whole nation missed their tomorrows because they murmured and complained. Secondly, they forgot God's grace in their lives. You see, all of us are here today because of God's grace. You look good, you clean up well, but here's what I know. If it weren't for God's grace, some of you wouldn't be alive this morning. If it weren't for God's grace, some of you wouldn't have a home, you wouldn't have a family, you wouldn't have a marriage, you wouldn't have anything. And if God never does another thing for you for the rest of your life, he is worthy of praise and honor and rejoicing from your lips for the rest of your life. I'm grateful for his grace. I'm here today because of his grace. But they forgot God's grace. They, they complained daily. There was manna coming from heaven every day. And yet they missed what God had for them. The third thing the scripture says is they allowed their hearts to become hardened toward the things of God. You see, one of the greatest problems with those of us who've been saved for a while is familiarity with the presence of God. I remember back uh, years back, uh, there was a man that came to our church, and he had never been in a church where where they even he understood worship or, or felt the presence of God. And, and he, had, he was feeling the presence of God for the first time in his life, and he would just sit and weep Sunday after Sunday in God's presence. You know, two years later, he stopped crying because it had become familiar. I want to admonish every one of us in this room today, do never, never take for granted the presence of God. Never take for granted those things don't come on Sunday and say, well, you know what they're going to do today. You come with an expectation. We're gathered together in his presence. And in his presence is fullness of joy. I read that somewhere. Yeah. Keep your heart tender toward God. I said, keep your heart tender toward God. 
Because it's in that, in that mentality, in that, that heart, that God's able to minister to you and help you. And so a whole nation missed, missed it. Because they murmured and complained, they forgot God's grace, and they allowed their hearts to become hardened toward the things of God. You know, he would say, well, if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. Well, they saw a miracle every day. And still became hardened. And so, a whole nation missed their tomorrows. Here's, here's what the psalmist David said about the children of Israel. I want you to listen to this real quick. The psalmist David says, they limited the Holy One of Israel. I want you to think about that for a moment. The God who spoke the worlds into existence can be limited by you. There's some Christians that have the mistaken idea that God's will is being done no matter what. No, no, God's will is not being done no matter what. If God had his way, today this room would have been filled with people. God's will is not done every day in Albuquerque. And you can be, have all the, the talents and gifts and you can be saved and filled with the Spirit of God and limit what God can do. You know, one of my greatest concerns for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm older than dirt and I just kind of just got started. You know, I'm like that lady on television. Age is a number and mine's unlisted. You see, it, it's so, so important that we, under, we understand that, that God's plan, God's purpose for us is that, that he, he able's to, able to do more than we've ever dreamed possible. Because here's what I know. Nobody in this room has reached your destiny yet. I don't care how old you are, how you know, God has plans for you. Nobody's reached your destiny yet. And here's my greatest concern. I'll stand before the Lord one day and he'll say, Ron... There's so much more I'd like to have done with you if you'd only let me. I don't know about you, but I want to take the limitations off of God in my life. I want, I want God to have free, free access to every part of me to be all he's called me to be. Now a new generation rises up. And we read the scripture of their prep, preparing to cross over to that new day. And uh, if you're taking notes, uh, somebody, somebody just take notes just in case this is important, okay? <laughs> Here's number one. Thank you, Pastor. If you want to possess tomorrow, number one, you must have an eternal perspective. What's an eternal perspective? It's the ability to understand what really matters. You see, one day this building will be gone. One day the seat you sit in will no longer be here. The only thing in this room that's going to last are people. Everything else is stuff. And I travel the country, and you know what I see being built? I mean, everywhere I go, they're building new storage buildings. You know why? Because we need more room for our stuff. I went across a ran across a box in my garage a couple of years ago. And on the side of the box, it said, Art Scop Moving and Storage. Now, Art Scop moved me in 1976 to San Jose, California. That box was apparently put on a truck and taken to Springfield, Missouri, where it was in two different houses there. 
Eight years later, it was loaded on another truck and taken to North Carolina where it was in three different houses over 18 years. Then it was loaded on another truck and taken to Atlanta where it was in two houses in Atlanta over time. Now, now the box is back in North Carolina, never been opened. Don't sit there so pious. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. We don't have time for testimonies, but there are some here in the room. <laughs> Never been opened. You know what? I opened it. You know what was in it? Stuff. And so much of life is about the stuff. If you worried one night this past week over your stuff, I'm going to ask God to forgive you for that. Because the stuff's not worth it. I said, the stuff's not worth it. I uh, pastored Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 18 years, and uh, I was scheduled for routine hernia repair surgery. And you know how you go the day before, and they did blood work and uh, did an x-ray to make sure my lungs were clear for anesthesia to do this little uh, procedure. Isn't that interesting how they call those things procedures? If you cut on me, I call that surgery. And so they did that at the hospital that morning. I went back to my office at the church, and I'm working. And that afternoon, I got a call from my doctor. And he said, Pastor, when's the last time you had a chest x-ray? I said, well, I had a physical three months ago. He said, well, that x-ray they took this morning at the hospital reveals you have a mass in your chest. He said, we've canceled your procedure for tomorrow. You've got something far more serious going on. I had no symptoms of anything. The next day scans, the next day biopsies. And one of the longest weeks of my life brought me to a Friday morning when I got a call from my doctor and he said, Pastor, you have two tumors in your chest the size of grapefruits that are just shy of invading your lungs. You have lymphoma cancer we think the cancer's through your whole body. So we think you're at stage four now. In about an hour, an oncologist is going to call you on the phone to prepare you for what you need to say to your church this Sunday because you're in for the fight of your life. I want somebody in this room to listen to me right now. Did you know when I got that phone call, life got simple? I said, when I got that phone call, did you know it didn't matter what kind of house I lived in? It didn't matter what kind of truck I drove. It didn't matter what was in my 401B, 501C, 807D. That the only thing that mattered in that moment was my relationship to the Lord and to my family and to my church family. I hope you don't need to get that call to get what I'm trying to say here this morning. If you're going to possess the tomorrow God has for you, you've got to understand what matters. And what matters is not stuff. What matters is the eternal destiny of people. It's about relationships. I said it's about relationships. 
And when we can see through the eyes of the Spirit, when you can see what the Lord sees, it changes everything for you. Generosity is not something the pastor has to convince you about. Because you understand what's been put in your hands was to use to change the world through the kingdom of God. An eternal perspective. Say it with me. Eternal perspective. Secondly, if you're going to possess tomorrow, you've got to be willing to learn and grow. You've got to be willing to learn and grow. When I discovered that my church couldn't grow past me, it changed my life. I became a lifelong learner. I read a book every week of my life today. I hate reading. If I never read another book, I'd be a happy camper. But I'm on planes a lot, and I, I read. You know why? Because I want to continue to resource my life. I can't be the person God wants me to be unless I'm willing to keep learning and growing. I know people in their 20s that have stopped learning and growing. We just need to pull the dirt over them. And I know people in their 80s that are growing and learning every day. I came here to tell you God has stuff and plans available for everybody in this room, and you've got to keep learning. Well, the amens are drowning me out here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I talked to see. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to. I'm in the, yeah, yeah uh, I talk to seniors groups a lot because I got gray hair, and you know, and, and I talk to these, these seniors. And I, you don't have them here, Pastor, but I go to a lot of churches where they just say, "Well, you know, I put in my time at that church. Time for somebody else to do something around there." And you know, I I, uh, I spoke to a to a large uh, seniors group in Myrtle Beach a couple of years ago. They won't have me back, but because uh, <laughs> I said to them, you can resign from the, whatever company you work for. You can resign from doing dishes. You can even resign from cooking because in most of our houses, all we need is a refrigerator and a microwave. You can resign for all those things, but you cannot resign from the work of God. As long as you have life, sir, ma'am, as long as you have breath, there's something to do for the Lord. And I'm admonishing you, and, and this is where I got in trouble. Because, you know, my, my ministry is to afflict the comfortable, so it, it, it worked that day. <laughs> you know what I said to those seniors? If you're not going to do anything for the Lord, why do we want to keep you around? Listen, because you don't just exist for your grandchildren, you exist for his glory. I said you exist for his glory, sir, ma'am. You exist for his glory. And as long as you got something, the, the shut-ins in my church had a ministry. When we talk about the future of this great church, it means that all of us find and fulfill the gifts and callings of God in our lives because everybody in this room has been gifted by God. Everybody in this room has got a talent. And by the way, we're in a fight for our kids right now in this world. In America, we're in a battle for our kids. If We need more mamas in Israel rocking babies in the nursery in this church. We need more spiritual fathers taking young men and nurturing them and, and loving on them. We need everybody if we're going to see the fulfillment of God's plan for our church. Paul uses the analogy of the church 
as a physical body. There are two analogies for the church in, in the scripture. One is as a building and one is as a body. And, and the, the scripture teaches that all the parts of the body are to contribute for the body to function in God's plan. So let's say, and this is the this stat in the Assembly of My God Church, maybe 30%, 35% of people in a church are active in ministry. So let's put that in the framework of a physical body. You got an arm and a leg just going nonstop. <laughs> and two-thirds of the body is paralyzed. I got a dream that one day the whole body at harvest will start functioning. Where all the parts start functioning. Can you imagine what would happen if, if everybody found their calling and gift and used it for God's glory in this great church? If we could get the whole body functioning, headed in the same direction, there's not a devil in hell could stop this church. Come on. Those of you who are not applauding, I'm talking to you. I want you mad or glad when you leave here today. I just don't want you indifferent any longer. Because indifference is what's killing the church. You've got to keep learning and growing. There's more God has. There's more that God wants to do. You know, people come up to me and say, Pastor, uh, this church ought to be more friendly. And my, my response is, well, go ahead. You know, this church ought to be doing more for missions. Go for it. Pastor Jason's not the church. You're the church. If you want this church better, then get better. You're it. You're it. And when you complain about stuff you don't like around here, you're talking about yourself. Look in the mirror, sister. The good news is, this church can't get any worse than the folks in the room. Bad news is it can't get any better than the folks in the room. We're the church. Come on, somebody. We're the church, right? And it's time for the church to stand up. We've come out of COVID. It's time to shake ourselves from all that fear. And they're going to try to put it back on us. We're not careful. I'm just telling you, it's time for the church to arise and be the church. And that means taking the kingdom of God to every community. It means our students go into high schools and the devil gets worried about us. Because the power of God just showed up in that junior high school or in that high school. It's time for us to get on the offensive. And when I talk about offensive, I'm not talking about being ugly. I'm talking about loving people the way Jesus loves them. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. It's not hell coming against the church. It's church coming against the hell. And God's wanting to raise up a mighty army in this place. How many know, Harvest, we just got started here? Thousands and thousands of people and precious children and students all over our part of our Albuquerque that still don't know that there's a God who loves them. It's time. It's time to get up. It's time to storm the gates of hell. Time for the church to show up. Hallelujah. Uh, amen, Ron. That's good preaching. Uh, yeah. If you're going to possess tomorrow, you've got to have an eternal perspective. Secondly, you've got to be willing to learn and grow. 
Thirdly, you got to listen to God's voice. Not Facebook. Not Twitter. Not all the media. You got to listen to what God's saying. And a whole nation of people, the mamas and daddies who didn't possess their tomorrows, God had made promises to them. And it's the same promises that, that God makes to all of us even today. In the book of Numbers, it says, here's what the Lord had said to them. Now is the time to possess your tomorrow. Now is the time to do what I've called you to do. The scripture says, say not four months and then comes harvest. For I say unto you, the fields are white unto harvest. You see, the scripture never told us to pray for lost souls. He told us to pray for workers for the harvest. Workers for the harvest. Now is the time. Come on, somebody say that with me. Now is the time. One more time. Now is the time. Here's the second promise the Lord said to them. You're able to do what I've called you to do. You're able to do what, God's, what you've been called to do. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am ready for anything. I ain't equal to anything through him who infuses his strength in my life. Hallelujah. If you're a spirit-filled believer, you don't have excuses. Well, I'm just not sure I can do it. Really? I thought you were full of the Holy Spirit. If you are, you have the potential and the power to do everything God's called you to do. Hallelujah. Now is the time. Come on, somebody. Now is the time. We are able. Here's the third thing the Lord said to them. The Lord delights in you. The Lord delights in you. I grew up in my daddy's church. And uh, back in those days, we knew what God didn't like. We just didn't know what God was like. You know, God don't like you doing this, and God don't like you doing that, and God don't like you going with girls that do that. I had that down. I knew that real well. But I really didn't know him. My relationship with God was based on fear, not love. It wasn't until I got to college one night in a, in a room, I was just crying out to God for some direction for my life. And the only way I know how to describe this for you is that, that Father God walked into that room that night and put his arms around me and told me he loved me and said he was committed to me and he wanted to bless me. See, my view of God was that God was waiting for me to screw up because he knew I would. He'd zap me and make me a crispy critter. So when I hear the Lord say, I delight in you. I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Got some friends right over here now. Beignet and crawfish, etouffee. We used to, our little neighborhood in New Orleans, we used to play uh, baseball every afternoon after, after school. And, and so uh, first base was the, the drain over here on the left side. Second base was the manhole in the middle of the street. Third base was the drain on the left, side, on the right side, and then then we had a piece of cardboard for home plate. And every day we'd pick teams and play baseball in my neighborhood. 
It was traumatic for me because obviously the two best players were the two captains of the two teams, and they'd start picking people. I'll take him. I'll take him. I'll take him. And then came the dreaded words. Who's going to take McManus? I wasn't good at baseball. I came here today to somebody, say to somebody in this room, you've been picked first. God loves you. He is committed to you. I don't know how God does this, but everybody in this room, you're first with God. You're not the last one picked. You're the first one picked because he loves you and he's committed to you. Now is the time. Come on, somebody. We are able. The Lord delights in us. And the enemy's helpless before us. Number four. Does anybody know the devil's already been defeated? When are you going to start acting like it? You know, I, 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 I don't know if we do that here, but, but I, I, I go to churches and we, I hear all these songs about the battle going on between, you know, uh, the devil and fighting with me. And, you know, and I want to just jump up and say, excuse me, the battle's already been won. There's no warfare there. Jesus has conquered. When he went into that borrowed tomb, the Bible says he went into the bottomless pit of hell while he was there, while he was in that, his body was in that tomb for three days. And he came forth triumphant three days later with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he said, because I live, you shall live also. Satan has been defeated. Somebody say amen about that. Come on. I walk in the victory that's already been given to me. I walk in the victory where the price that Jesus paid for me to walk and to live. You know, the Bible says the devil goes about like a roaring lion. It didn't say he was one. It said he behaves like one. But he's toothless. I see Christians letting the devil gum them to death. The victory's already been won. Can somebody get this? The battle has already been won. Walk in that victory. Walk in that provision. Walk in what God has accomplished for you. Hallelujah. Now is the time. Come on. We are able. The Lord delights in us. And the enemy's helpless before us. If you're going to possess tomorrow... You got to have an eternal perspective. You got to be willing to keep learning and growing. You got to listen to what God says, not what the people around you say. I'm grateful today that, that you don't get to decide my value here, no matter how bad this sermon is. I said to some group, I said, you know what? If you think this sermon is bad, you ought to hear it if God wasn't helping me. <laughs> I'm grateful that he didn't call me to do anything alone. His spirit is here to touch us and empower us. It makes us better than what we are. You got to listen to what God's saying. And I, I just need to reemphasize this. This is what I feel in my spirit at this moment. 
I need you to understand. Somebody needs to understand right now what I'm saying. Your family around you don't decide your value. The teachers at your school don't decide your value. The Lord has decided your value. And he loves you. And he's committed to you. Hallelujah. The fourth thing that's so critical about possessing tomorrow is you got to be willing to get your feet wet. You got to be willing to get your feet wet. So here's a whole nation of people. The children of those that didn't make it, whose bones bleached in the wilderness. Now, the new nation of, of people. They're standing at the brink of the River Jordan to cross over to a new day. The thing their parents never were able to do. And the Bible says that the river's at flood stage. This is not a good time to cross. Well, you know, here's what most churches would do on the brink of that River Jordan. Let's, let's uh, form a committee and study this. We got to check the wind out. We got to check what, you know, the current. We need to know what the current's like. Let's evaluate. But at some point, the Lord says, it's time to cross. Because on the other side of that river is an incredible thing God has planned. But you'll never see it until you cross over. Every miracle that's ever happened in the scripture happened in response to someone's obedience. Starting from the first one of where water was turned into wine. You've got a little boy's lunch and 5,000 plus people. And Jesus said, what you got? There's no McDonald's nearby. Or a lot of burger. Oh, God, that's good. <laughs> so well, all we got is a little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish. But that ain't going to... That ain't going to help us at all with 5,000 people. Jesus said, give me what you got. There's a whole sermon right there. Give me what you got. Well, here's what we got, Lord. So then they stood together in a prayer circle. And they prayed over that boy's lunch. Did a miracle happen in the prayer circle? Absolutely not. The miracle didn't happen till they started distributing five loaves and two fish. You see, if you take what God's given you and give it away and share it, the multiplication starts to happen. The, the miracle doesn't happen in a prayer circle. The miracle don't happen talking about it. The miracle don't happen planning on it. The miracle happens when you step. Into that raging river. And a whole nation of people now, the sons and daughters of those that never got there, are standing on the brink of that river. This is the moment to cross. River's at flood stage. Isn't it interesting that God wants, wants to do stuff when it's not convenient? God wants to do stuff at, at Harvest Church when, it, when the economy says don't do that. 
God wants to do stuff in this church when we don't feel like we're able to do it. God loves to take what we have and just blow us out of the water. Rivers at flood stage. You see, there's a time of the year when that, that river is like a babbling, babbling brook. You can just almost cross over hard to get in wet. But the Bible says it's at flood stage now. That's what happens at the whole time of harvest. And God says, now. Let's do it now. You see, God wants to do something so incredible in your life. God wants to do something so powerful in your life and in this church that you won't be able to take credit for it. Because when God gets to do what he wants to do in this place, nobody's going to say, look what we did. Everybody's going to be saying, look what God did. Look what God did. Look what God did. Look what God did. Hallelujah. And I came here this morning. And as I prayed uh, last night in preparation for this morning, I know God talked to me about people in this room today who need a miracle more than you need lunch. You need a miracle more than you need anything that this world has to offer you. But it requires getting your feet wet. It requires a step of faith toward what God wants to do. You see, he responds to faith. I said he responds to faith. There are people right now in this room, and, and, and I, this is a huge impression of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm not mystical, but I do believe in the supernatural. There are people in this room that are battling with depression, like a cloud over you that he have made able to shake. And the, the Lord told me last night, I want to set that person free today at harvest. There are people in this room that are facing a financial need that only God can intervene and perform. There are people today with physical challenges. You may have done this a thousand times, but I, I believe the Holy Spirit said one more time, step, go ahead, step into that river. Step into that miracle because the Lord wants to do something supernatural. I said the Lord wants to do something supernatural in this house today. Come on, somebody. Would you pray with me? Worship team, join me here. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to breathe upon this house right now. You know the needs that are among us today. You know those in this room today that need a miracle in their lives. Some of them, Lord, need it emotionally. Some need it physically. Some need it financially. But, Lord, you know exactly where they are. You know exactly where they're living. And today, you want to show yourself mighty in their lives. You want to show yourself strong in their lives. And so, Holy Spirit of God, 
draw people to yourself today. Draw people to the foot of the cross today. Lord, we believe you in the next few moments for miracles to happen in this room. Miracles of your power and spirit to be made manifest today. And so, Lord, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Would you stand with me across the room, everyone standing with me? I'm just going to take a liberty here for a moment, Pastor, if it's okay. Here's what I know. It's it's somehow by stepping beyond where you are. Stepping out in faith to say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready today and I'm believing to receive what God has for me. Whatever that is. For some of you, it's freedom from, from the oppressive work of, of darkness that's just surrounded you. For others of you, it's, it's a financial or family issue. I don't know what it is, but you and God know what it is. But there's something about making that step toward God. Because I believe the miracle worker is in the room right now. I said, I believe the miracle worker's in the house right now. For six months, they did the most intense chemotherapy they could give me. All the experimental drugs they could pour into my body. At the end of six months, they did scans again. And my oncologist met with me and he said, Pastor, We've given you all the chemo we can give you. We're going to kill you if we give you any more. Your body can't take any more. And there's still some stuff in your chest. And I looked at the doctor that day, and I said, I'm good. That's 23 years now. I said, that's 23 years now. I know a little something about miracles. I said, I know a little something about miracles. And I believe with some of you today for that miracle, we're going to sing something of praise and worship in this house. And as we start to sing it, if you need that miracle, if, you, if you're ready to step into that raging river to say, to see God push the waters back and show up and that miracle in your life, I'm asking you to step out from where you're at in the next few moments. We'll wait for those of you in the balcony to come. I know that God is going to do something supernatural in this house in the next few moments. You make your step of faith right now. Make your step of faith right now. We're going to sing. You come right now. Come on. Come on. Come on right now. Come on. Receive your miracle today. Come on. Receive your miracle today. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's right. Don't hesitate. This is your day. This is your moment. This is your moment. Come on. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. Just move in close, if you will. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're, we're, to, we're receiving today his miracle working ministry. That's right. Come on. Just keep coming. That's right. Come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.